0: to Death and
1: Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two cousins who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Monica. We are talking about season one, episode four of Hemlock Grove today, In Poor Taste. I don't really know what the name of the episode has to do with the episode.
0: Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. So far, I've been able to figure
1: all of them out except for this one, but um, we actually watched the episode together for the first time today. Um, it was, again, released in April 19th, on April 19th, 2013. It was directed by David Semel and written by Sheila Callaghan um david semel has directed like an f ton of tv he was nominated for an emmy for the pilot episode of heroes which he lost to the sopranos but like i don't think anything beat the sopranos for in the emmys in the 2000s like ever so not not really anything i can complain about there um, but he.
0: So, um, direct three on uh, honestly three of my absolute favorite episodes of American Horror Story. He um directed the two Halloween episodes in season one, and it was I think uh, what was the name? Of, did you write down the name of the other one? I it was the origin of monstrosity. I think I think it was like Zachary Quinto's first episode in season two, maybe. Um. So he directed both of those episodes, which me already seeing both of those episodes and she hasn't seen, um, those three episodes, and she hasn't seen American Horror Story yet. No. I'm really good, like, hope, because his, um, his directing, and when it came to, um, and how he portrayed um, the Halloween episodes in season one, um, and how, like, that trope of how the spirits can only leave the ground that they are on, oh, only man. on that's probably the writing, not the directing. That, But, but also, the visual effects is also yeah. beautiful. It's yeah. But so he, he did
1: some work for Heroes. He obviously did those American Horror Story episodes she really likes. Um, he also directed a ton of stuff with, um, uh, he helped, directed a couple of episodes of Buffy and a couple of episodes of Angel. And then he directed like half of a season of Dawson's Creek. So like, I'm into it. Mm-hmm. um and then the author sheila calligan actually doesn't have a huge television um felt like le- credit list i don't know the words in english that i'm trying to say um but she's a very well-known playwright like her list like in the modern era of playwright it's her list of Plays that she has published are super, super long. She's most famous for the play Women Women Laughing Alone with Salad, um, which came out in 2014, so after this episode, but... Um, very good play um most of her television credits before this show were f- from united states of terra which is not horror but it's very very good show about mental health awareness and stuff like that and so like i trust her writing skills plus like <laughs> female writers in horror am i right oh yes so,
0: Oh yeah okay. come on boo-boo. come
1: on we yeah, have a guest appearance down. from the dog again today
0: <laughs> we might get some water. He's laying down now. He just, you know, my bed's so high and he literally is like this big. It mm. takes him forever to get. But say yeah. hello boo boo. Do you have one of those little ladders for him? No, he can jump it. It's just like he needs some encouragement. He needs some confidence, boo. So like, come on boo boo. And he goes, Okay, and he jumps. Okay. He's so. eleven years old, old as shit. So I give him props.
1: Uh so our Netflix. Uh, intro to the episode on Netflix blurb says Letha's interest in Peter takes a turn Chasser and Sworn's investigation hits a new low while Roman and Peter stay one step ahead now before we even turned on the episode we had some questions because first of all Letha's interest in Peter taking a turn would give you the assumption that there was something to start with to then turn from which
0: yeah. they literally, the yeah. only time we seen Peter was when Peter was eavesdropping on Roman having sex with a girl in the bathroom.
1: Yeah, that was, when he, the when that awkward moment, when he was like, no, this is exactly what it looks like. That's literally the only time they've spoken to each other, so I don't know what turn they're taking. She's not giving him dirty looks in the hallway anymore? Maybe. And then, the other thing I have a problem with is this idea that, uh, Chasser and Sworn's investigation hits a new low because that would imply that they ever got off of the bottom and since so far their only investigation has been asking a teenager if he's a werewolf, yeah. I don't know
0: where when they ever left low. Oh, well. That's why I, that I told you, I said that's probably why they met a new low because like, wow, now we have even more shit that's not going to make absolutely any sense to any court system
1: so i was very torn before the episode started because i was like okay great writer and director promising outlook terrible episode plot
0: yeah but i actually really liked
1: this episode
0: yes i was going to i, I this one was definitely better than episode three hundred percent there's yeah. more interesting talk about there's more development between characters that i think is something that should have been cemented i feel like in the last episode but we were introduced to new characters out of fucking nowhere right and while both
1: of those characters played at least some point in this episode i don't know that we needed a ho- i think that they should have been introduced If, like, episode two had introduced Destiny and then episode three introduced Clementine, I would have been more okay with it. But, like, having two giant characters introduced at once didn't leave a lot of room for story. But this episode, I think, fixed that. So. We start with Letha laying in the hammock outside
0: Peter's trailer. Trailer. Just vibing. She's just sitting there, her hands up, listening She's to just, the train whistle, talking about at, um, Roman's house from talking about, talking
1: about. I wonder if he can see us. I never thought to think about who lived in this house before. And Peter is topless and is reaching into like a weird pile of moldy fruit. And uh, I literally wrote. Well, this is a dream. Just don't know who's yet. (laughs) Then Peter starts touching her leg and lifting up her skirt and talking about the wettest place in the world. And I got real uncomfortable. And then she woke up moaning on the school bus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That, mind you, Peter is on the school bus.
1: Yeah, and he's staring at her.
0: He, like, looks at her with, like, you okay, and then he goes, like, but I know what you were thinking. <laughs> but does he? Does he? I don't, I don't think he knows it, knew that it was about him, but he's like, oh, yeah, this girl just had a wet dream right now on a fucking school bus.
1: Yeah, but I don't think he knows it was about him.
0: No, I don't think he knows it's about him. I'm just saying, like, he's like, I know like, what's up.
1: Also, how could he possibly know it was about him?
0: True. They've never spoken. They've except never- for one. <laughs> literally them in this episode to each other in this episode they get introduced yeah yeah
1: okay so that is everything that happens before the credits which i appreciated that it was one scene it was short it was to the point it was a dream which has become a very common theme in this show of people finding things out or understanding things better through dreams and then it went right into the credits and it didn't try to tell us a whole ass story
0: before the credits. So, exactly what I enjoyed. A plus. A plus for that.
1: Um after the credits, we go to the sworn house and the twins are sleeping in one bed, and Christina's sleeping in the other, and she's having a nightmare and freaking out and moaning in her sleep about, no, no, please, I didn't mean to say that. All this crazy stuff. Um and the the twins wake up and they're watching Christina and they're like worried about her, but they're afraid to wake her up. But also, like, my favorite thing about the twins characters is that they're the only ones who seem like normal teenage girls. Yeah. Like, they're saying, like, I read on the internet that if you wake somebody up when they're dying in their dream, they're going to die in real life. And they're like making mixed CDs and like, they're like normal ass people. They're the
0: only ones in the whole show who are
1: normal people
0: one hundred percent
1: so but they did say something that was really important I think um they said that the reason Christina was staying there was because of who her parents are so clear we don't know anything about Christina's family but I'm guessing that her parents ability or lack thereof to parent is important
0: yeah so um yeah so then they just show her having nightmares
1: from that and that is it for that scene then we go to norman's mental hospital Mm -hmm. with francis francis and francis
0: is being interviewed by clementine fucking clementine Those a little old bye those are what Clementines are. I was trying to think about it in the last episode we filmed. I couldn't quite remember the name. I was like, those are little baby oranges. Clementines. Yeah. I'm a dumbass. Who names a character after a baby orange? No, I wasn't. I, I mean, yes, that's what they are, but like, you know
1: the song? Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling Clementine. You are lost and gone forever. Awful sorry, Clementine.
0: She just yeah. kind of shit Yeah. <laughs> She's supposed uh, to be a badass character and she just hasn't I mean, <laughs> I would definitely
1: name my kid Clementine. But I also my top favorite names are Finey and uh Theodosia. So like don't trust me and what I would name kids.
0: Exactly. My son's name's gonna be Ed- Elliot and my daughter's name's gonna be Lydia. Like my kids are gonna be a bully. Yeah, no, my kids I literally want to name my daughter Finey. That's actually really cute. Legit, yeah. want to name myself as a VT, and I will never let that die. Ever. My 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 husband better not want to have a junior or the third or a you know like. Cool with discussing boys' names. Like when I get married, when I have my husband, we talk about having
1: kids. I'm cool with like letting family names in with boys' names. But when it comes to the girls, I have a very long list of names that are acceptable. None of them are normal. Um, but that's what you're gonna pick from. I will not mm-hmm. be having I will not be having a Katie or a Brittany or an Ashley like.
0: Or a Samantha.
1: Oh, no. No.
0: So there, okay, so Clementine and
1: Francis are talking about this uh, the fact that he saw the girl get attacked. And she's asking questions about what the wolf looks like and blah, 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 and all the normal things. And then you find out that she was in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a very, like, normal, like, police investigation kind of thing where she then is like, listen, you're a crazy person in an institution. Give me something that you can't have found out from the news.
0: And he says that... He went snatch first. Yeah. He
1: said that her- the wolf went straight for the hoo-ha, which was apparently correct. Although I don't know how... Oh, because they're talking about Brooke, not Lila or whatever the second girl is, Lisa or whoever. Because I was like, how would they even know that the bottom half of her body wasn't there? But no, it, with Brooke's body it was. Um, and then, he says the absolute weirdest thing he has said so far, which for him is a lot like, Yeah.
0: He looked straight at Clementine and said, your wings are wet. I'm assuming he might know about her lesbian affair when she's part of the church. I don't... He- I didn't even think
1: about that. I think that is him pointing to her being another supernatural creature which is what i thought the whole time and now because he's the one who can see what's in letha's stomach he knows what roman is he's seen this wolf and he knows it's not an actual wolf like he has seen all this stuff and knows all this stuff and then he just looks at her and is like and also in our in our all of our weird credit scene depictions we still don't know what the griffin has to do with anything and griffins have wings and are also well i don't know but she's but also griffins are a mix of multiple predator animals and she's all about her animal stuff and i don't know i don't think she's actually
0: a, but like that was the connection i made to that that's, that's interesting the th- the, re- the connection that I made with it was that because he can see things and he can foretell things, maybe he just has like an untapped psychic ability to see within people, yeah. to know like their secrets without them even knowing it or knowing that that person knows. And that's why he was able to tell things with like Lisa, uh, no, Lisa, Letha, um, and Roman. And that's why... I think he knows about her, like, a little lesbian thing going on on the side while she's supposedly a member of the church, and the church, if you're gay, you go to hell. So, like... I mean, they could be, they could be
1: trying to show that the church is welcoming and accepting. Mm-hmm. They could. But... So, then, uh, Norman and Clementine go out into the hallway, and she's like, should I believe anything he says? And Norman goes, well, he has said other things that have been corroborated. So even though he's... Get off your phone, girl. Bye. <gasps> um, So Norman goes, like, he has seen other things that have been corroborated. So, like, even though he's clearly, like, dissociating from something, like, I don't think he's wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh... He tells her to go to the White Tower and uh, not to make an appointment. To just show up and ask for Doctor Price
0: and not mention him, which already goes to show you Norman doesn't trust this place and his name comes side of the right like. No. It- his
1: name on the building, but he clearly doesn't, he has his own hospital separate from it. And like, he doesn't trust it at all. Yeah. So, um, then next scene is the breakfast table with Roman and Shelly and Olivia. And yeah. Roman is being so sassy. So, I love that. Th- I He's love that scene. He's uh, his mom is trying to find out why Peter was at the house in the last episode, and Roman is just, just like saying stuff. He's like, "Yeah, we're making a solar system diorama. Mercury and, and uh, Uranus, and then Shelly laughs. Shelly laughs, and his and the mom's like, stop encouraging him. He's horrible.'" And then she's like, I thought he was in your English class. And he's like, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> but then he says my, one of my three favorite lines. Because it's literally, literally what said in the it's last episode. What I said in the last episode. He literally goes, have you ever made a threat so cryptic that you yourself didn't understand? Which is literally what we were just talking about last week when I was like, I don't understand any of the stories she tells, I don't get it. And he's just like, bro. you like, like, simplify it, please. Like, just, and then she's just, like, getting angry at him, and he's, like, firing back like they're in a fight, and then she's like, how dare you talk to me like that? And he's like, just pretend that whatever I said now is exactly what you want to hear. And then leaves. Mm-hmm. And then we get a clip of Shelly writing her weekly letter to Norman about how things are falling apart and their mom is, like, even more angry and, like, losing control than usual. Um, We find out that the girl who worked at the country club when they had, like, lunch there, which I don't think we talked about in the last We didn't. So, the first time Shelly wrote a letter to Norman, she, like, talked about standing up to her mom, and the way she did that was she ordered food that isn't her usual at the country club, and the waitress was, like, really sweet to her. And then the mom gets the waitress fired from taking Shelly and
0: Roman's side over hers. What kind mm-hmm. of psycho is a crazy bitch? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: I think that was really the only point of the Shelley letter this time was to find out that like, their mom is straight up losing it. And that even though Roman is like talking back to his mom and being sassy, he's still a little bit afraid of her. So,
0: I feel like is something that is of greater um, importance than besides just normally being afraid of your mom.
1: Yeah. Um, then we have, um, there was some wolf poop found in the woods. And Tom calls like the dispatch to have somebody come pick it up. But Clementine is secretly listening to the police scanner and she shows up instead of like the cops. And then Tom gets mad that she's there. But also, my note is that he is just so awkward. Yeah. Cause so she finds this poop and there is hair in it and she takes it to her truck to try to do like some tests on the hair. And her truck is like a full ass science lab, like set up in the back of the truck, including like axes and cages and stuff, which makes sense because she works for the wildlife department. And if you have like a rabid bear, you got to do something about that. Like nothing about her truck surprised me. But uh, for poor Tom and his uh, lack of any experience with anything outside of tiny, tiny, small town Pennsylvania, he was very overwhelmed by the whole thing. And he was, like, rambling about, like, oh, well, we have, like, a a lab in Pittsburgh that we send our stuff to.
0: It's pretty cool. It was, like, it was so it's like he had an awkward crush on her and didn't know how to have a conversation
1: with her. So, yeah, it was so weird. Um, next scene is back at the Godfrey house and Olivia is looking at her little vial from that first episode and it is almost empty and so she decides not to put it in her eyes but then she's hearing stuff and like voices in the room so she does put it in her eyes and then it's, like, empty.
0: hmm And then she goes... And is, like... It, it's, like, a erotic scene. Like, she's just kind of chilling there. She's putting some shit on her lips.
1: Yeah, And then, she, looks,
0: and then she goes like this. And she puts it in, and then she's, like, doing, like, some weird shit like this. Yeah. Which means was, you like a kind of trip when you drop this yeah, shit. Yeah, like, it. she seemed like a, a super,
1: like, a drug addict in that scene. And I'll then sure. they show her at the general store, like, stalking Linda. Mm-hmm. And Linda...
0: Which, um, um, shop um, shoplifts a little nail po- a purple nail polish into her bag. Yeah, so she's... And, her- and then Linda ends up going up to Olivia, because Olivia's looking at the magazine racks, and she's saying some stuff about how... The magazines are influencing, like, girls to be skinny and try and please men. And then, like, then there's, like, a little bit of an awkward silence. Then she goes, like, if you want something, if you want it, you can just ask for it.
1: Yeah, she's, like, the only, she's, like, we're the only things holding ourselves back. How hard is it to ask for what you want? Yeah. To which Olivia goes that whatever shade of purple it was isn't even your color and storms out of the store. And I literally wrote, well, Linda knows Olivia needs the vial, but Olivia is a bitch. (laughs) So then we go to school and it's the end of the school day and Roman is driving Peter and Chef. He's driving. He's driving. He's driving Shelley home because his mom told him he had to, and he's driving Peter home because he always drives Peter home because they're BFFs. And then he runs into Letha and he's like, "What are you doing? Like, where are you going?" She's like, "I'm getting on the bus," and he's like, "Godfrey's don't ride the bus." All right, sorry for the uh, technical difficulty. <laughs> we were discussing our uh, ragtag bunch of misfits. That's where we were. Um, So, first of all, they're just, like, Letha and Roman are walking over to the car, and Peter's, like, juggling and talking in a British accent and making Shelly laugh, and they literally just, like, look like a bunch of circus clowns, like, all four of them. (laughs) It's just a hot mess.
0: Even Roman calls them a circus. (laughs) Yeah. And so they then, they all get in the car, and, uh... Roman is
1: fishing for some information. He's trying to get Letha to talk to her dad to find out some more info on Francis, because they think that he might know some stuff that will help them. And she's like, "Why are you guys asking all these questions?" <laughs> and uh, Peter just goes, "Yeah, we're gonna we're hunting for the demon dog." And she
0: was like, "Are you guys?" Qu- Crazy, and we're like, they're like, yeah. So uh. referring pur- 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 to it as a him, and she's like, uh, guys, like it's an it. Et- what the hell are you legit talking about? Because at this point, she has zero clue of anything. She doesn't know anything, and so I'm like, Shelly's just laughing in the backseat. Shelly is cracking me up, but uh, Peter's just she's like, she's sitting like this in the back because she's too big for the car, <laughs> and then um. So
1: Peter's like, yeah, like we're gonna hunt down this uh this this dude. We think the demon dog's really a person who's also a werewolf and we're just gonna find him. And uh she's like, What are you gonna do if you find it? And they were like
0: We're oh. gonna do some the pound. Yeah. <laughs> Roman Roman had the line in that scene, he's like, What anyone else would do, sweetie? Take him to the pound. <laughs> yes
1: and then she was like can i ask you why and peter just goes nope <laughs> like don't just do what we ask so we get so them. they get to peter's house to drop him off and roman gets out of the car after peter and he's like why would you tell her that and roman's like and peter goes literally it is way better for them to think that we are insane than to think that we're up to something like i well he doesn't he doesn't say insane he uses the R word, but he's like, but he's basically like, I'd rather somebody looked at me like a retard than a crazy person. Like, if I'm dumb, then I'm dumb, but if I'm hiding stuff, it's way different.
0: So then they plan to meet at the midnight. To go to a place that, has it been disclosed yet?
1: No, we have no idea what they're doing. They know, all I know, we know is that they're bringing the shovels and they're meeting at midnight.
0: Yes. Well, Roman's bringing the shovels. Peter says, I'll bring the rest, but we don't know what the rest is. We don't know what the rest is. Um. Then Peter goes inside and he's getting all his
1: stuff together and his mom's trying to like talk to him and she's telling him that uh, Olivia is out of the stuff that Vince sold her and that and, um, and Peter just goes like why don't you just give it to her then and she's like that wouldn't be any fun and uh, he goes well. and she's like I thought I was going to make something fancy schmancy for dinner tonight and he's like I'm going out and she just goes I know and she's like and I literally wrote Linda knows everything bro like every time Peter's about to tell her something she already knows yeah so I don't know then, we go to Godfrey Institute, where uh, Shelly is having a doctor's appointment with Dr. Price. Uh, mm. We find out that Dr. Price is trying to buy Norman out of the company.
0: Yeah, it's by a company called LOD.
1: Lad, Lad, yeah, something. And he's they're trying to buy Norman out of the company. And um, he's doing a checkup with Shelly. And then uh, Olivia says that he's going to have to take Letha as a patient. And he's like, we don't have an, obst- like an obstetrics wing here. And she's like, you do now. And then he kind of looks a little peeved. And she starts, like, shaking and hearing stuff again, and she is straight losing it.
0: Losing it. She's hearing voices. Uh-huh. Um, she ran out of her vial. Okay, I don't know if the vial does something to, like, sustain, like, certain voices that Olivia hears based on whatever. We don't know. Either We still, we still don't know what
1: she is or why she's hearing voices, but it's definitely, like, she needs that vial.
0: Mm-hmm. So and and Linda knows that also. I have to move my dog because he's being stubborn. Ugh. Um so then
1: Olivia leaves and Dr. Price is still just like talking to Shelly and he calls her glowworm. Which and- okay, I hate
0: I hate Johan Price with every of my being. But I- that seems I don't.
1: My note really says, is Dr. Price really the bad guy? Because, like, at this point, we don't actually know who we can trust. The only people who seem to have it, the only person who seems to have an issue with Dr. Price is Norman, and we don't know what caused their issue. We don't really know why we can't trust Dr. Price, but, like, he calls Shelly Glowworm, and he's super sweet to her. And he shows her the synthetic plant that he's building, and like basically tells her that he's
0: trying to get her new hands. mm mm-hmm. Which is weird. Which is weird because I don't know if it's just lack of attention to detail on the um, the art department scene when it comes to the makeup, but it looks like she has normal human hands from the parts yeah. that peek out. Yeah, which I noticed.
1: But we, but the thing is, she might have normal, like, her fingertips, you can see, but her hands from the tip of her finger to the rest to, to here are totally bandaged up. So, like, there could be something wrong with her wrist. There could be something wrong with the palms of her hands. We don't know why she only uses that stick to type. Like, her fingers don't move apart from each other. So, there's clearly something wrong with her hands. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so I um, am currently undecided on Dr. Price.
0: I feel like he has good, he's good with certain characters, but I still feel like he's just as much of a snake as Olivia is, but for a different reason.
1: Yeah, see, I I don't, I don't, I'm very, I'm torn. Might
0: blow, might blow it out of the water I and mean, just be like, hey, guess what? Haha, I was right.
1: Next scene is clementine and tom at the bar and she's trying to get him drunk because she wants to dig up
0: the dead girl's body and get a hair sample talk about going to extreme lengths and they're doing it on the dl they're not getting like a right, sh- like, court order. she's like we, she's like the court
1: order and the parental like permission won't come fast enough so we just have to do it so she's literally getting him drunk so that he'll break the law but she's also, like, talking about all this weird stuff. She's, like, talking about the history of all the different, like, cultures and what they do with dead bodies, and, like, is getting super weird.
0: Yeah. And, then,
1: and she's, like, about, like,
0: all, like, like how, like, certain cultures, like, use herbs. Some preserve them with, like, embalming fluid, like, to, and they're, like, She's like, but personally, for me, it's all about the send-off or whatever she said. Well,
1: she says something, No, but she says something about how in Western, Western culture, it's all about the send-off and the big party and the funeral and everything. And then, this is the part that was real weird. Tom is like, because he's awkward and confused, was like, well, you only go once. And she's like, really? That's a conversation for a different day. So clearly, she doesn't believe that when you're dead, you stay dead, which is super weird.
0: Or she could just believe in reincarnation. Which would also go against her philosophies of being church. Yeah. I
1: don't uh, know. I don't know. Um, um I just wrote Poor Tom.
0: I don't remember what happened. That made me I think oh, was- I think it was when um, that when Christine was just walking around the girls' room, and then you find out that their mother's dead.
1: That not yet because I have a note later that says, "Is the twins' mom dead?" But I think um, this was just—I think this was just that I felt so bad for him that he it was like being pressured by Clementine that on she was being super weird. Because then we go back to Tom's house and the girls are talking and. There will, there's a flash of Christina in like a hospital getting like drugged up and then she's back at the girl's house and they're asking her about it and everything. And they're giving a list of all of the drugs that she's on. Mm -hmm. Now, I have also been on Trazodone for anxiety induced insomnia. You cannot mix Trazodone with Lexapro. You can't. It causes hallucinations. Like Traz- not- Trazodone is such an intense anxiety medication that its drug interaction list is like ridiculous. And like when the reason I'm not on it anymore is because it, it interacted with a different drug I was taking to the point where if when I took it to fall asleep, I would sleep for twelve hours and not be able to wake myself up. So, like, trazodone is not something that you mess with. And she listed starts listing the drugs, and I literally just was like, no, no, no. And I don't know. This is one of those things where I don't know if people just, like, looked up, like, like searched what kind of drugs you would take for insomnia and anxiety and just put a bunch of them in there without actually researching medication. But like, cause that happens a lot in TV shows where people are on mental health medication that there's no way they could be on that combination of drugs and actually like be functioning. But it's just like, Oh, she's crazy. Let's give her all the meds. And so I don't know if she's going to have hallucinations and that's going to be part of the plot or if these dumbasses just were like, what are the three strongest anxiety meds you could be on and put them there?
0: I'm going to go with the latter. And that
1: makes me so mad because first of all, she's 15. She shouldn't be on Trazodone at all. Second of all, you cannot mix Trazodone with Lexapro without causing serious issues with like hallucination and like nightmares. Which is, which is why, which is why she needs drugs in the first place. So I had some issues with that.
0: But they did make a banging um a play a banging mix t- um CD called well, was it Slutty Summer or whatever?
1: Yeah, something about Slutty Summer, and I had a cute picture of them from the dance and everything. And they were trying. The thing is, her friends, like I said, they're the only normal people on the show. And they, like, they come off a little creepy sometimes, but I just think that they're genuinely, like, 15-year-old girls who are not really sure how to handle all of this weird stuff that is happening. And, um, and also their mom's dad, and their dad's a sheriff who doesn't have a lot of time to give them, like, attention. So, like, I get that they're not going to be the most well-adjusted people, but, like, they seem like they actually care, and they seem kind of freaked out when uh Christi- when, when when Christina tells them the whole story about how she thought someone was filming her and it was a joke, so she kissed the dead body
0: and also can I just add how she like it goes in depth as to why she thought the body was fake, which like fine, whatever, but like I had stated in last week's episode, yeah. She is a writer, and she is so tentative about every little detail in anything. For her to not see the maggots bombards my mind. I don't know why she would think that some twisted asshole would play a prank and waiting for a little girl to stumble upon it. Right. Like, who <laughs> who would do that? That's a stretch. I don't trust Christina. I'm sorry. I, she gives me off a weird vibe. I don't trust her character. I think her character is going to be one of those characters that's going to be one. Freaked up mama-jama. Yeah. It was Cree Breton's, though. So, so Look. My, my next note, so after
1: that scene, where they're all trying to calm down and li- deal with all her medication, uh, we have two groups of people going to the same place to do the same thing, but unaware of each other. Yes, we and do. Wrote, cool. So everyone in this town is a grave robber. <laughs> um, and then Peter is waiting at the cemetery for Roman to get there. And I found this to be one of the funniest scenes in the whole episode.
0: Mind you, mind you. Can I add that in episode two of our show and in their show, the movie that's quoted was on the TV. Yeah. And I said, same line. Yeah, no, that- I literally, I literally said that to you in the
1: podcast, and then he said it in the episode. But before we even get to him quoting Night of the Living Dead, he gets there and he's dressed in all black and like a hoodie and stuff. And Peter goes, "What did you, uh, did you dress the part of a grave robber?" And he goes, "No, I dressed like you." <laughs> And then they start quoting Night of the Living, and then he starts pretending to be the guy in Night of the Living Dead. Are they, co- they're coming for you, Barbara. And Peter goes, my second favorite, or my other favorite line in this episode, is there like a summer school for serial killers?
0: They have such a good back and forth. That's I love it. The dialogue. Like, the
1: dialogue between the two of them is so... Funny. It's like one of the best parts of the show is just their dialogue.
0: Yes, like especially just with one another, not on other like standalone scenes, because the standalone scenes are honestly a lot more heavier than their together yeah. scenes. At least. It's funny but, because
1: it's funny because what they're trying to do and deal with is probably like the heaviest thing in the show right now, but their interaction is so comical. Yeah. Uh,. Then, oh, and then we see Tom scrolling through his phone at the pictures of his daughters and then Christina walking around the room while the girls are asleep. And that's when I realized that the twins' mom really is dead. Um, then we go back to the graveyard where Peter and Roman digging up the body and they're at talking about funerals and so they get there they and they uh while they're digging roman is talking about his dad's funeral and it broke my heart a little bit because he said that he was when he heard the gunshot, and he walked downstairs, and when he saw his dad dead on the floor, his first thought was how much trouble he was going to be in, like, his dad would be in because of how, what a mess he made. Like, his mom is that psycho that at four years old, when you see your dad's dead body, the first thing you're worried about is the blood on the carpet making your mom angry.
0: Hey, that. Like, that, I feel like, goes to show, like, how much in control Olivia is over Roman and, like, from the literal jump. Yeah. that And, like, I think that's why this whole him fighting back
1: and, like, yelling at her and saying horrible things to her, like, as part of why she's spiraling. Because she's never had to deal with him not being hers.
0: And that's why I feel like she doesn't like Peter being around Roman because I think her, he knows, she knows once he has a legit friend outside of the family, she might lose him for good.
1: Right, and she also never she already, she knows what Peter is, and she doesn't trust mm-hmm. him. So then they get down into the coffin, and at first thought it was really funny because they opened the bottom half of the coffin and then got confused because the body wasn't in there, but fun fact, she didn't have a lower half of her body so there was nothing in the lower half of the coffin.
0: And this next part, I loved it, of course. Mary-Kate, I, I saw her reaction. She legit went, nope, and nope. looked away. So basically what happens is Peter looks at Roman, and like he's like, Roman's like hesitant to give him the, give him the jar, and he's Peter goes, what, do you, you want to do it? And he's like, nope, nope. that's your area. Yeah. so then he gets the jar or Peter the jar and then so the knife and then Peter cuts well, here, before he cuts her open he, sat,
1: he touches the dead body's forehead and says a Romani prayer and like blesses her body and apologizes and says she didn't deserve to go through this
0: mm-hmm. and which shows a lot of humanity in Peter's part which, I, which more confirms the fact that I don't think it's Peter Except for
1: I well I already know, I already know it's not Peter. I don't think he would be putting this much effort into finding who it was if it could have turned out to be him. But I will explain why. What was striking to me about the prayer in a minute because it doesn't come up yet. But so now he's cutting her open,
0: and, and it's first of all I loved how they did the coloration of her fluids in her body because they wouldn't be, like, fresh blood. They water. wouldn't be it fresh was, blood. It was so gross. It was, like, a brownish, greenish, deep red type of color like, coming up. Like, off. already starting to, like, rot. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then, that- it, the only thing that didn't end up matching that, which I think is the organs, because the organs would have been decomposing at this point, and the organs, literally, they were ripped out of a fresh human being. Yeah, the intestines
1: were really, really white, which, based on where the maggots were when they first found her, her intestines wouldn't be that clean.
0: Oh. Her intestines wouldn't be that clean, and they would not, and the blood around it would not be red blood. It would have been the dark sludge that came out of her when they first got her open. Yeah. It would the uh, most disgusting thing to have ever happened.
1: But also, my
0: question is why, of all of the things, if you, because I'm
1: guessing, like, they were talking about him needing to take this to Destiny and that she was going to do whatever she could. And I guess they're going to do some kind of weird magic, whatever.
0: But why the intestines? Like, why don't. Like, why not take the heart type of thing?
1: why not take the heart? Why not take like a finger or something? Like, why did it, I don't know what, I don't know. And I, maybe they're going to answer that. I hope they do. But like, that was my question of, of all of the things you could have taken from this body. Why did it have to be the intestines?
0: That was my and So after they get the um, stuff in the jar, as Peter's putting um, the girl's organs in the jar, Um, Roman then decides to say what the second funeral he's been into because he says he's only been to two. And the second funeral... funeral He says it, but he says it before he tells them. They realize that there
1: is someone else there and they're kind of panicking and trying to figure out what they're going to do and how to get out of there. And then Roman just casually blurts out that he was at Shelley's. He said the second funeral was Shelley's. And And then... then Peter doesn't have a reaction at all, probably because, you know, he's trying to shove intestines in a jar, close the jar, and get the F out of there before whoever else is at the cemetery finds them, but that was, like, the most casually placed,
0: then-never-talked-about-bomb ever. But then if you go back and think about our first episode, when they had the flashback at Godfrey Building, when, um... And, And Jr. called her an abortion. So, So, I, I think, because he said, like, Shelly, so, like, Shelly must, like, they must have went through something already, because there was another flashback, I think, where they, something about bringing her a, a casket or something in there, was that in the first one? I don't remember that. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. But. Why did I think he was holding a casket? Or know. holding, or holding a body. We're, I don't know. I'm dumb. I'm putting things where they probably don't belong. But at the same time, it's like to know that Shelly clearly was alive when Jr. was alive, and he kept so like unless Jr. wanted that baby gone or um, right or, because he said it was the second. Before. He said it was the second
1: funeral, so it means it happened after Jr. But like. I don't know. Yeah. Um, So I just. So then they do luckily get out of there before they're caught. And the other people who are at the cemetery are obviously our other pair of grave robbers, uh, Tom and Clementine. And Tom trips over a shovel and falls into the grave and lands directly on top of the dead body and then starts like freaking out. And I just wrote, this is why we don't drink on the job.
0: Yep. We don't. What?
1: Um, and then Clementine does the same thing Peter did, where she puts her hand on the girl's forehead and says a prayer obviously in English, not Romani, but she says a prayer, rips a chunk of the girl's hair out, and hops out of the grave, and was like, all right, you can call in the grave robbery now, we're, we're done with what we need,
0: and I was like, bro, she, for being a woman of the church, she kind of has no heart. But I found it very striking that they both, like, respected the
1: dead enough to, like, say a prayer before they, like, harmed the body. And that that was something that was, like, very important to both of them. But the way that they did it and their attitude toward the aftermath was very different.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, also, um, you can cut this out, but... Um... I think I know why I thought it was a casket, because I was on one of those stupid fucking fan pages getting the blurb for one of my notes for, I think it was like last week or something, oh, and I okay. saw another flashback scene with them carrying a casket, so it could be a spoiler or something, or it could be from that scene. I don't know. So like, I if don't, you wanna- I don't, I think it's a spoiler, because I don't
1: know, I don't remember
0: that happening. Because I wasn't, because it looked the same way as it did in that, and it said it was Shelly, it was Shelly, like, that's what the thing said. And I was like, oh, fuck, like, what? Yeah, so, I was like, I don't know. It, that's probably how, what happened, so.
1: Well, it's okay, because I already, I, in terms of spoilers, because my friend won't shut up and I tell him to not shut up, to not talk to me, I um, do, in fact, know who the angel is.
0: But I won't say anything. I have, have a suspicion as to who it is. But I am not saying anything at all. I'm not spoiling I, it. I think I know who it is. But I, I don't want to be disappointed. Because if I'm right, I'm going to fucking kill myself. Okay.
1: So then we have a scene of... Francis no not of Francis of Shelley texting Norman about how she was worried that Christina didn't come to school and she's worried about what she's like been going through. Mm -hmm. And then and she told Christina to contact Norman if she needed like anyone to talk to about it. And then she Sends him like her spiritual quote that has been helping her deal with everything. And the end of the spiritual quote was, "Tonight I have seen the dragon," which same is thing-
0: which is that's why I said Francis because the same thing Francis was muttering. Same thing. Also, I put my curtains up so now people can't look at my bedroom window at night. Nice. Just nice. thought. <laughs> I was like, bro. So then that scene ends. Well, this, I know Norman, I, Norman is this clearly
1: quote, freaked out.
0: Yeah, and, like, this quote is something that is going to hold significance, I feel like, in the rest of the series. Oh, for sure. And the, this, the fact that, knowing like, the fact, I think this is kind of putting um, uh, Norman's, like, suspicion of him, like, being right or wrong, like, back and forth, as, like, holy crap, he might know what he's talking about because someone who's completely unrelated to him has just said the exact same thing as he, like word for word, what he said.
1: Yeah. I don't think Norman has ever been questioning Francis. It's more of the fact that he doesn't necessarily want Francis to be right. Cause he doesn't want to have to deal with it.
0: That too. Cause how are you going to deal with, you know, like a demon dog?
1: Also your, your,
0: they had at one
1: point in one of the Francis scenes, and I don't remember which one, cause they didn't write it down. They showed a flashback to the moment where he was on the road. And oh, it was in the beginning. It was okay. in the beginning, okay. But in that flashback, when he was saying, I don't want to see that, don't let me see that, he was looking at Letha's stomach. I realize now, like, no, knowing that he, after what we learned last episode, I realized that I don't want to see that was about her, not about Roman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we have a quick scene... At Tom's house, he goes to check in on his daughter's, and Christina's, like, wandering around the house because she can't sleep. And they have a little conversation where she's like, it's okay that bad stuff happens to me because, like, I want to have a life that's felt. All the things that, like, all the bad things that happen to me will just give me fuel to be a better author. And he was like, sometimes when I talk to you, I don't know which one of us is the adult."
0: Yeah, I don't have one. next scene, please. Um, next scene is Peter laying
1: on his couch thinking about his grandpa Nikolai's funeral, and uh, he had said earlier when they were talking about different funeral, like while they were digging up the body, Roman had asked him like what funeral traditions are like for his family, and he said that they have to cut the head off because bad things happen to his people if you leave the head on. And also. Roman said, what kind of bad things? And he was, like, the worst kind.
0: This is my theory, then. He has to have some form of wolf gene passed down from his mom's side, then. And it might just only be dominant in that. But we still don't even know anything about his family. Like, I'm still so... Wasn't it
1: I we don't th- think it's his grandpa, but she always talks about your grandpa Nikolai would be proud of you, and it seems like it's her dad, but we still don't actually know that.
0: True. <sighs> I, I feel like his dad's not in the picture for a reason, and because his lineage comes from his mother. Maybe. But, so, they show a flashback to Nikolai's
1: funeral, where Peter has to be the one to do the honors of cutting his grandpa's head off. And they hang him upside down by his feet, and they pull out this a sword. magnificent sword. I really, I literally wrote that sword though. It, but the reason I think that this sword is not only important because it's a beautiful sword, it is very, and these are because I'm a crazy nerd and I notice these things. The jewels and uh, engravings on the top on the hilt of the sword are very very reminiscent of medieval art and this whole order of the dragon and the crusades and everything i think it it is definitely
0: connected Mm -hmm. and um the fact that um when it comes to the effects in this scene when peter goes to cut off his head i will say it's a really good effect it looks legit, it looks like a real person, the cut and everything. Yeah. Then they had to CGI the blood in the head. Which, I can understand them having to CGI a CGI head, like, kind of, because, like, you want to because you is, like,
1: do. You can't just have somebody take their head off and put it on the ground. Yeah.
0: But then they had to, like, put, like, the CGI blood, like, they could have gotten, like, a dummy or, like, a green screen type of thing. Like, there are ways you could work around it. I just wasn't happy at the close-up of the head afterwards. I like, think like, what
1: probably oh. happened was instead of doing something, like, you could have made Ideally, prosthetic actual model of the actor's face with blood capsules in the neck that pour out. That's ideal, best way to make it look real. What they probably did was had a generic head model, CGI'd the actor's face and the blood onto it, and so it just
0: looked off. Yeah, like it just—it felt like it came out of the scene a little bit too much for it to be. No, like obviously it's realistic, obviously in the storyline, but for it to be a believable, you know, head, because the, the the effects in the show have been pretty on, pretty gory, a, a very practical too. There hasn't been a lot of CGI incorporated, which I enjoy that a lot. And even the CGI that they have had to
1: use, like things for like the wolf transformation, were very well done. Very well done. But I like, think this was just like a little of, bit of a, all a flash. Of- Like, all of the organs, all of the dead bodies so far have seemed very practical effect. And so for them to have, and for them to have this actual scene of them chopping the head off feel like a practical effect, to then not have the head on the ground to be a practical effect just
0: felt weird. A little. They sold you a little short. uh, Yeah. That. I don't want to say that satisfying moment, but, like, watching, like, a scene like that and for it to be executed so well, just to, like, see this head. that And, yeah. like, no, not, like, any offense to the artist. Like, you did an amazing job. You do great work. But it's just, like, when you get a build-up and you see, like, an awesome execution of that scene, it's, like... You
1: see a shitty CGI head <laughs> on the ground. You're like, oh.
0: Like, and I get, probably for Hemlock Grove, you're not balling with an amazing budget. Well, I mean, it was a Netflix series. Netflix has a better budget than a network TV show. So, like, I'm kind of just, like, they dropped the ball a little bit, but maybe they had, the makeup money had to go to, you know, the disgustingness that was, de like, deorganizing the corpse. Because that was... De-or- quite- deorganizing. <laughs> it works in both sense. So, like, it's just... They pro- that probably did take a lot of money and a lot of time to shoot that to get it looking the best. So I and could see it. If- they also they also had
1: a lot, but they had a lot of CG in this episode more than usual. Like they had they had a way way more scenes in this episode where they showed Shelly's cheeks glow when people touched her and stuff. Like it was even a. That,
0: what was that? Even that looks realistic. Like if Peter goes like yeah, this. But- Right,
1: so I'm saying, like, it's not that they're
0: incapable of doing
1: realistic CG, so it was just disappointing. Yeah. Um, then the last scene is, um, Christina, or not Christina, Clementine is at the bar, and she calls Tom, and she's like, hey, we got the results back from that
0: hair. It wasn't female hair. How she said it, she's like, hey, congratulations, it's a boy. He's like,
1: what? Yeah. So the hair sample is a boy. But we also already learned that the hair sample is six inches long. And at this Mm -hmm. point, the only male in the show with hair that long is Peter. So before they show her looking at pictures of Peter, but before they even show her, when she says it's a boy, you automatically know she believes that the hair in the... Wolf poo was Peter's hair, Hmm. and Tom does not seem thrilled about that.
0: No, because he like he was like wonderful, and he just like threw his phone back down. Oh, which makes me remember why I
1: wrote poor Tom in that scene. When they're talking about her in the investigation, he's like, you asked this kid if he had, was a werewolf and I just had to stand there. Like that was a normal question. And it's not. Like he was so frustrated. He was like, I don't know who you are or why you're coming into my town and making all these crazy things, but how am I supposed to just sit here and deal with this? And so when she calls him and she's like, oh, good news, it's a boy, AKA it's Peter. He's like, oh great. Fantastic. Werewolf boy's hair is in the wolf poop, and now what am I supposed to do other than trust this crazy-ass lady?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, but she said it's blonde, Peter's hair is brown, so... She didn't say it was blonde. It was blonde, I'm pretty sure. It looked blonde, but she never actually said it. it was blonde,
1: and it's really hard to tell from a single strand of hair what color it actually is.
0: unless she's just being fishy and has something out and legit thinks Peter's a werewolf and just wants to hunt him. Right.
1: But that brings us to segment number one, which is who would you like
0: to punch this episode? Um, i partially Christina just because I fucking hate how she thinks she knows everything. And then Clementine because she's just a good... Clementine. Hands down
1: for me is Clementine. She just is trying to run this town like you don't know us you don't know our problems
0: he's on the wildlife wildlife reserve like who who asked like you don't have the authority you can only arrest animals not people i just
1: and she's just like she's getting cops drunk and convincing them to grave dig and like She's just breaking the she's like, law. And she's being sketchy. She was talking about autopsy results that she shouldn't have access to. And she's, like, going behind Tom's back to get all this stuff and then, like, blackmailing him about it. And, like, I do mm-hmm. not like her. And I didn't like her last episode. And I, my hate for her is growing exponentially. Same.
0: Okay. Okay. And um, now we're on to our saving graces of the show. Which, for me, I honestly thought, um, I, I I love Roman again, like, I, he, because his scenes with Shelly are just too nice that I, it kind of just, all the other shit going on, and Shelly, like, because of their interactions, and, like, even Shelly got a little bit more screen time this episode. I, I think, for me,
1: I was really torn on who I was gonna pick for this, because I didn't really think that... There was, like, I was torn on, like, maybe I'll pick the the twins because they, like, are actually people. But I think I'm going to have to pick, and this is... This is... I feel like every time I pick who is my favorite character or who is the good character in that episode, it is purely based on who is nice to Shelly. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, for me, this episode... It was Dr. Price. Because, no, 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 listen, we've spent three episodes knowing nothing about him and building up all this hate for him, and, like, you and I literally, in the last week's episode, we were talking about how this guy was, like, the worst person ever, and we don't know anything about him, and then yeah. we finally get a significant amount of screen time with him, and he's. So like I'm not saying he doesn't have ulterior motives. Everyone on the show has ulterior motives. But he his scene in the show was one of the like it was first of all, it was one of the more intriguing, like actually gave me questions about what's happening. And he was just so sweet to Shelly. And he has his own little nickname for her. And like I don't know. And it was the only character that I my opinion about them changed in this episode.
0: Uh, that's fair I'll give you that one because everybody Um, that
1: I hated I hated more everybody that I liked I either still liked or liked more he's the only person that my thoughts on him are now being questioned and I like having questions
0: I think that that is a good way to tell stories so for me that's the saving grace of the episode for me I just he sketches me out too much to let let (laughs) my which
1: is fair, which is totally fair, but I'm looking at it from a, is anything actually intriguing me? I am depressed. (laughs) Have I ever told you how much I absolutely hate the internet?
0: Yeah, I said, we have to go on my rant again so that we can have it in the video because it will cut off. Right. Um, But my thing is, is like with Peter, I absolutely loved how, not Peter, Roman, how he? Oh, well, and Peter, but more so Roman because I'm also a huge, um, what? To... Bill Skarsgård stand. Yeah, that I'm a huge Bill Skarsgård stand, and just the I, fact that he. Was... That's
1: not the word you were looking for, but let's keep it PG.
0: Yes, um, <laughs> but he him show, showing him a little bit more of strength against olivia which i think is something that he needs um because of the fact that like he has such i feel like he's gonna have such a bug torn back and forth like later on in the series and i think olivia is going to be that thing that drives him back and forth so i hope that he keeps pushing away from her and like kind of telling her where to stick it because honestly at this point olivia needs to freaking stick it because yeah the treated roman and even shelly in some some cases not all cases but like especially like when she went to the restaurant she wouldn't let her order for herself and like roman's sticking up for her it shows that roman's not backing down against olivia which says a lot and yeah. it shows side to shelly which he doesn't show with anyone else because he, he can't yeah and i love seeing that those scenes make me happy when when they're in there i hope we get more of those scenes in the show because they make my heart happy with all, like, the really messed up stuff that keeps, like, happening throughout the whole series, the whole yeah. season. Yeah, I get that. But, yeah, no, but, like, I, I was
1: saying, for me, it's it's less about people that I like and more about people that are making me ask questions.
0: So. That, that's a good one for for you, like, because, yeah. honestly, my opinion on Dr. Price would have changed it. That probably would have been my Steven Grace too, but I just... But for
1: still, you, you not see it from the same lens that I saw it. You just are still, um, you're still concerned about him, which is totally fair. We, uh, I mean, listen, I was 100% sure at the end of the first episode that Peter killed Brooke. Like, uh, I was like, I was like, he's my favorite character and I love him and I don't want it to be him, but I'm 100% sure it was. And now it turns out I was 100% wrong. So, like, maybe I'm wrong about Dr. Price, too, or maybe this time
0: it's your turn to be wrong. Like, who knows? But um, still, nonetheless, I still think everyone who did a, a job, who worked on this episode did a very good job um, executing it, the director did a really good job. Yeah. Um, with the, and the writer, even like, though there were some weird parts kind of put in there, I still think that... Um, she did a good job telling the story for how uh, that it was. And especially because this is the
1: first episode where the main writer for the teleplay is not Brian McGreevy. So for being the first person to write the episode outside of the author, so like having to take the book and adapt it without the author helping you, I think she did a very, very good job. Yeah.
0: Unless in the book it's the complete opposite so well, and that's the other thing is I don't know this show has three seasons and my guess is that there is not three seasons
1: worth of information in one book and I'm as far as I'm aware there's only one book so I'm very curious as to where, where they take it. where they take it when the book ends versus the show keeps going maybe there is more than one book and I just don't know about it like I'm very curious about that but I will say that, like, the plot doesn't seem to be, like, when you have a book to base it off of, you kind of have the plot already there for you. It's just a matter of the structure of it, and um, it's a matter of giving the characters things that are, like, likable. Like, if you look at, like, Game of Thrones, for example, which I know you haven't really watched, but um, in Game of Thrones, there's obviously, like, this is... The fifth book, so there's no um, lack of material for the the character development, but the way the characters are written on the show and their personalities and their dialogue is sometimes very different than how their characters are portrayed in the book because the actor wouldn't fit that way or the the changes that they had to make for the show mean that the character probably wouldn't say something like that and stuff like that. So when you come in as a writer who's adapting rather than writing a brand new screenplay, I think for me, where I can tell skill is in character repartee and dialogue between characters. And the dialogue and the like back and forths in this episode were some of the best so far. They were so good. And you can tell that um, Sheila, that's her name, right? Sheila? Yeah. You can t- is someone who writes like when someone writes a play rather than a novel like you have a lot more dialogue heavy stuff like obviously you write in you sometimes write in set or stage directions or stuff some authors are very very particular about stage directions in the script versus others who just write out dialogue but like a a play basically the text of a play is only dialogue so Mm -hmm. I wasn't really expecting the dialogue to not be great but the fact that the the story flowed and the the pieces going where they went together like the order Mm -hmm. of the episode I thought was really really well done it was
0: one of my favorites so far definitely um i think it, it, it. i think it is my favorite episode that we've seen so far um it, mo- it moved the story along quickly without leaving you with too many questions but answering uh. just some, and you like still like on the edge of like oh maybe A- it leaves you asking questions but questions that you know are going to be answered not like but why would this character do this because that's completely out of the realm for them like last episode when it came with christina yeah yeah for sure <laughs> It, it kind of got explained this episode, but it still makes up, makes zero sense for her personality for that to be her reasoning behind well, it. Well, they,
1: yeah, but I think they also, I think they just are having a hard, I think there's just, like, a lot that we don't understand about Christina, and I don't know if there is gaps in understanding because we don't have the right kind of character development, or if there's gaps in understanding because they're half-assing writing her character.
0: And that it sucks? But, like, regardless, I don't like her character. Yeah. I don't. Her character, she's on a radar for me, I feel like, because the fact that she's, like, over here throwing Roman under, not Roman, um Peter under the bus, like, oh, he's a werewolf, and you're telling a fish and wildlife service lady that he's a werewolf, like, it's a believable thing. Right. Like, like but why also, would... But, like, also, he is a uh, very... Um
1: she's very, like, she's having a lot of regret about doing it, which makes me wonder why she did it in the first place. Exactly.
0: But hopefully those questions will all be answered within the following weeks of us filming this show. Um, um just for shits I did look at what the trivia is and it is the same thing as last
1: year or last week where two of the actors happen to both be in Battlestar Galactica and that's all the trivia we get.
0: love that <laughs> which
1: Battlestar Galactica is also on our list to one day eventually do this podcast about. So when we get there, we'll be like, Oh, it's so great that these two characters remember how they were in Hemlock Grove together. That was the first episode we did in our podcast. But like now, because we haven't watched Battlestar Galactica, we're like, okay, cool.
0: (laughs) All righty. All right. Well,
1: you can send us feedback, questions, suggestions for new shows to, uh, when Hemlock Grove's over, uh, If you do have anything you wanna tell us that involves spoilers, please, please, please put a spoiler warning in your subject line in an email. You can send us emails at deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, both at mk underscore superstar, mk is spelled E-M-K-A-Y, not
0: the letters. And you can find me on Instagram at monica.lyn underscore and Twitter at monie, Moni underscore, lynn double underscore. Because, you know, I said this once, I'll say it again. Someone's trying to steal my identity. So, plain and simple. And by
1: double underscore, she just
0: means underscore,
1: underscore. Just in yeah. case, and just in case you're not typing the words double underscore. I don't know why you
0: would be, but I just don't Just in case. Just in case, yeah. And if there is Monica Money underscore Lynn underscore listening to this, take it back because I want your identity identity fraud. That's all I gotta say.
1: Again, because Monica Lynn is the most uncommon name. It's almost as uh, it's almost as rare as Clementine. That's kind of rare that was called sarcasm folks she's an idiot we'll see you next week bye